Hi, friends. Join us as we dive into the themes, metaphors, and foreshadowing of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. With both a spoiler and spoiler-free analysis, there's something here for everyone. We are your hosts, Leah, Sarah, Tabby, and whether you're a new viewer or a longtime fan, welcome to Becoming Buffy. guys welcome back to becoming buffy we hope you all had a wonderful summer break well i guess break for us i don't know if you guys had a break but this is our first episode back and it's really exciting i am absolutely stoked to talk about season four uh we talked about before how season four is probably the season that i know the least uh so i'm really excited to kind of just go through it in a deeper level and kind of learn some new things that i have never learned before and I feel like this episode is just fun. I think that there is some aspects and themes to it that continue the season-long theme of identity and change and all that, but it's just – it's a romp. It's so much fun, and I think this is the first episode we've had in a long time where nobody's died, nobody's been killed. There is a bad guy, but they're not like strictly, strictly bad. Um, I don't know. Can you guys remember the last episode where like nobody died? Because I literally cannot remember. Was it Band Candy? I feel like someone died in Band Candy. Does someone include vampires? Yeah. I mean, just like anybody, anything. Like nobody died and nobody or nothing died in this episode. Isn't that strange? I feel like it makes sense when you consider the episode because the episode is really supposed to deal with Buffy adapting to like normal human situations. Yeah, it totally makes sense. It's just funny for a show that, you know, you have Buffy staking a vampire or whatever. Like they could have included that here, but they're just, there's nothing. No one technically died in that one because they were all kids. Oh, Angel staked a vampire in the summer's kitchen, didn't he? Oh, no, he tried to, but the guy got away, huh? Oh, yeah, that might be the last Mm -hmm. last episode. Because I'm like scanning through and most of them vampires get dusted. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to remember too. Yeah, but season three, as we've mentioned before, is just a fantastic season. But having to analyze it, whoo, it takes a lot out of you because it's super deep and it's it's got a lot of stuff going on, a lot of layers. But this episode feels kind of just like a really nice breather. Well, I also just feel like this episode is very relatable. It's like everyone 100%. can relate to having like a bad <laughs> or just like a, like your your siblings getting on your nerves or like I feel like. If you can't relate to this episode in some way or can't get like a little bit like, oh my gosh, Kathy, shut up at some point, like, right. And then I can't relate to you. So, yeah, the majority of us live with someone. There's very few people that live truly alone. And unfortunately, just like Giles said, all of us have our own little idiosyncrasies. So, there's going to be something that someone does that drives you nuts to a certain extent. So, yeah, you're right. This episode is very relatable. I also have been loving so far how human this season is. I'm loving how for the first time it feels very um, normal for Buffy. Like obviously she's had some slang and stuff that she's had to do, but like we're watching her go to class and try to figure out the cafeteria and having issues of like, you know, her mom's moving stuff into her bedroom. She has a weird roommate. Like these are all very human things. And so it's kind of fun seeing Buffy live a little bit more of a human life than we've seen her in the past. 
All right, so Living Conditions, written by Marty Noxon, directed by David Grossman, aired October 12th, 1999. Joss said that this episode is a totally accurate portrayal of roomies. He says, I almost hired a man to kill him when he straightened his rug one time, and he hated me even more. (laughs) Mark Fields talks about how he said this episode is a complete warning that you should never be roommates with someone who goes on to be one of Hollywood's most prolific writers because you're going to have your story being told on screen. Marty Noxon says, when they first read my script for season four, Joss and David left a message on my answering machine saying my script didn't cut it before revealing they were joking and loved it. Now, if you're thinking, hmm, this story sounds really familiar. Did you not tell us this before in season two? Are you sure this belongs in season four? Yes. Unfortunately, uh, it seems that Joss and David did this multiple times because when Marty um, I think it was the Bad Egg script when she released that to Joss and David. They also left a message on her answering machine. I think they told her she was fired or something like that because they didn't like it. Um, and I was kind of uh, – I was reading a quote from Charisma Carpenter back in our first episode of Angel where Charisma was talking about how Joss would go up to different actors and he would just randomly tell them, you're fired. And when the actor didn't say anything and just stared at him, Joss would say, man, like, I don't understand why actors, uh, they never find that funny for some reason or whatever. And Charisma says, it's because it's not funny, Joss. It's really scary or something like that. And I just feel like that whole thing is just not necessary. Um, And I think it's just one more small little instance where maybe Marty didn't necessarily find it um, like uncomfortable or mean or whatever. But it's clear that other people really struggled with how Joss, um, like how how biting his humor was. And I think this is just another example of that. I think he just got way too comfortable because he had the power. Yeah. And it's like he forgot that people have feelings. What what a thought. (laughs) Well, and it's just like he didn't really have any repercussions at the time. Like now he's getting backlash. Mm -hmm. But at the time people were like, we love the show, you know, you know, and didn't really know what was going on behind the scenes. When you create an environment where everyone's scared of you, then you can say whatever you want because no one's yeah. going to like stand up to you, you know? Or if everyone's like uncomfortable around him, like energy wise, then of course I can get away with most things. And why is everybody uncomfortable about him? Is it because he creates an environment where he's constantly lording his authority over them by making mm-hmm. jokes like this? Like there's one – it's one thing to make a joke like this and everyone's like, ha that's so funny because they know that you have a really good relationship with them. But the fact that people are mentioning that they were like scared and it wasn't funny makes it feel like he's actually done this to people in in actuality or – He's created an environment that's so toxic and threatening and controlling to where they're actually afraid that he'll follow through with it. So I don't know. It's very sad. A BBC reviewer praised actress Dagny Kerr's nicely paced performance as Kathy and added, it's encouraging to find the regular cast so casually back together again after the worrying indications in the last episode that it would be difficult for the writers to find reasonable excuses for them to continue working as a team. This episode generally dispenses with explanations and flows better because of it, which is really interesting because I didn't get the vibe the last episode that um everyone would struggle to like get back together again because I feel like it wrapped mm. up pretty well by the end. Yeah, I didn't think that either. Yeah, it's interesting. It's kind of interesting to go back and read what people thought when the episode first came out without knowing the context of the rest of the season. 
This episode is um, about a quarter under 42 minutes, and it is the shortest of the Buffy episodes that aired on the WB. At the same time, this episode is still longer than any of the episodes that aired on the UPN, which is all of season six and seven, with the exception of the premiere, which is Bargaining Part One, Once More with Feeling, and the series finale, Chosen. Which is really interesting because I did not realize that all the episodes, once they got on the UPN, were slightly shorter than these ones. Um, and it's also interesting because when I was going through and watching this episode and reading the script, there are a lot of moments in the actual episode that were not in the script. And so I wonder if as they were going along, they realized they didn't have enough time or they, yeah, they didn't have enough time of the episode to screen and to air. So they had to go back in and add a couple of extra scenes. So it's kind of interesting. Well, they probably also like, I feel like an episode like this is definitely the type of episode where you're like, oh shoot, like we have not enough content to fill it up. Right. Because the premise is not that complicated. There's not much going on. Mm -hmm. Um, It's literally just one thing. All right, so the demon in this episode resembles the Boo Hag. A Boo Hag is a creature in the folklore of Gola culture resembling an energy leech. They gain sustenance from a person's breath. They have no skin, so they will steal a victim's skin and use it for as long as it holds out. Both elements were seen in the episode, stealing the soul by sucking breath and a fake skin covering the demons. One of the themes of the episode is identity and what it actually means to be an authentic adult. Mark Fields talks about how the freshman showed that one of the risks college presents on the road to becoming an authentic adult is a failure of self-confidence. Living conditions shows us another source of risk, namely immaturity. Kathy may seem sympathetic in her struggle against her father, but she's a metaphor for immaturity. Age isn't the same thing as maturity. He goes on to talk about how issues of identity appear in both of these first two episodes. The question of one's identity, including identity theft. Eddie was insecure in his identity and was relieved to adopt a new one as a vampire, and Kathy tries to steal Buffy's. Even Giles and Xander seem to be wrestling with kind of like who they are and what their purpose is. Um, And oddly enough, the only person who's not struggling is Willow, which is kind of refreshing because I feel like identity was a huge thing that she struggled with in season three. So it's really fun to kind of see her growing and maturing past that. Well, and I also feel like different stages are going to bring that out in people like High school is going to yeah. bring that out in certain people like Willow because like she didn't really fit in in high school. And then college is going to bring that out in Xander because he's choosing not to go to college. And then that brings up a lot. And so it's like it makes sense that different stages are going to bring up stuff in different characters. That's a really good point, Leah. I hadn't thought about the fact that, of course, Willow would thrive in college and struggle in high school. And I feel like Xander struggled in high school and is also struggling now in post-college. So I'm excited to see what niche they kind of fit him into. Um, and it would make sense that Giles would be struggling as well too because like he's no longer a watcher and he's not a librarian. So those are the two big things of his identity. So what does he do now, you know? And we were talking about it before we started recording, but this episode is absolutely what I call a hallway episode. It doesn't do too much in progressing the overall plot forward. Um, it kind of has a little theme that runs with the rest of the season theme, but it sets up multiple plot points for later episodes. Um, and I just want to say I hate all of those plot points, but it is setting them up. <laughs> they are plot points and they are existing. They are existing and I will audibly groan when they are here. Um, we uh, we have zero opinion of them right now. They yeah. are just <laughs> on our screen. They are here. 
wonder <laughs> what will all. happen. <laughs> we all can't it. talk about anything because the spoiler section is gone. So we're like, this is something that happened. <laughs> this is <laughs> it. Zero opinion of Wait what it is. Wait to see our opinions. <laughs> exactly. Ooh, yes. All right. With that, let's get into the episode. All right. So Buffy is getting ready to go out and patrol. And Kathy is ironing some jeans while watching Buffy. The script says Kathy appears well meaning. <laughs> I know. Ironing ironing jeans. Jeans. <laughs> what the heck? I was reading a review that was talking about how there are subtle little details in this episode that point to Kathy actually being older than what she is represented as a college girl because even though she's like what did she say 3000 year old demon yeah. yeah which is supposed to be relatively young for the demons but in human years is actually pretty old um one of the ways that they did that was through the music in this moment so in music sound and silence they say according to deckard one of the primary functions of music on the show is to establish character identity characters are coded by the music they listen to and sing the matching of different styles of music to particular characters and the role of music in reinforcing a communal identity between characters the show and fans brings up a series of key questions about the construction of identity Kathy Newman's penchant for Cher, Celine Dion, and other VH1 divas in living conditions signifies that she does not fit in with the Scoobies. The Viacom music channel VH1 prior to 2001 explicitly targeted an older demographic than MTV, aiming its brand at 25 to 49-year-old women. Whilst appearing to be a typical co-ed, Kathy is in truth a dimension-hopping Mogtagar demon – probably butchered that, but whatever. And some 3,000 years old, her repeated playing of Believe by Cher tortures Buffy through incessant repetition, although it's possible to see in the lyrics an echo of Buffy's loss of Angel at the end of season three and her apparent lack of strength as season four begins, which I thought was really interesting. So her listening to Cher is indicative of the fact that she doesn't have the same musical tastes as people in her age group and demographic the fact that she's ironing her jeans that's something that a lot of like older women would do bro at the if time. i saw my roommate roommate ironing jeans unless it was like they've been cringled up in a ball for five years and whatever but if i saw someone ironing jeans for me i would flame them so hard i would <laughs> literally very like, what weird the heck like just wear them they're jeans they're supposed to look kind of crinkled oh the script also talks about how the song that they were initially supposed to be playing over and over and repeat was Mariah Carey's Butterfly. And then she's supposed to have the Backstreet Boys um, poster on her wall. Um, it says, it should also be noted that Kathy's side of the room is meticulously clean and orderly, while Buffy's is a comfy mess. The script also says, it's clear that these two are still in the, in quotations, polite stage of roomy living, but that they are both irritated with each other and working hard to maintain it. So this whole interaction is just like literally the epitome of passive aggressiveness. I so live bad. where Buffy says this episode. Well, but it's also just bad because it's like I understand because when you live with someone, it's like they get on your nerves so much, but you have to try and maintain the peace because you're like, it could be yeah. worse. It could be more right. hostile, but right. you also can't help the fact that you sometimes just say stuff because you're around them 24-7. Right. If someone doesn't like the small things that I do, it really doesn't bother me, even if they're passive aggressive. I'm like, whatever, they'll get over it. It's what she says about her like leaving late at night and then her decisions of what she's eating and drinking. I'm like, shut yeah. up. That would be so yeah. annoying. She's like, oh, I guess I just didn't know you'd be coming and going at all hours. And you're like, 
okay, or hello, are you my mom? Like, that's so annoying. Right. And like, I get that you like this song, but there's also a level of like unselfishness when you're living with someone. You can't just repeatedly play. I don't know. At the beginning of the episode, I'm very much on Buffy's side. As th- time shifts on, I was like, wait a minute, Buffy. She makes some like decisions. And I was like, okay, I don't think that's okay. I we'll live get there. for them though. I love them. <laughs> but for right here, right now, I was like, Kathy, like this is this is something else. Buffy's like smiles and like passive aggressive like remarks and like toodles oh <laughs> my god <laughs> you really start to understand why they cast her as cordelia initially because she very much channels her inner cordelia in she definitely episode. knows how to kind of hit the mark yes exactly <laughs> Honestly, one of the funniest parts of the scene was when they're talking and like as kathy is being passive aggressive she pauses what she's saying to go turn on the song again and then come back and finishes <laughs> That's what right. so Bro, I would right. literally fight her. <laughs> oh my word. And then like, you know, Kathy's like, here, let's let's log our calls, which actually is not a bad thing. I was thing thinking to about do. that. I was like, of all the things, I really feel like that one kind of makes sense to me. That was reasonable. Yes. Yeah. But at that point, it had already been so many things that every little yeah, thing that Kathy does sure. just You're not gonna Buffy. listen to that one re- reasonable, rational thing when there's so many other ones. Right. <laughs> you're like, oh, you're asking me to do one more thing. Oh, and this whole thing where she's like you know, a stitch in time and Buffy's like, catches the worm, you bet. And then she leaves. Like, they're just not syncing up at all. <laughs> oh, okay. I will say Buffy drinking Kathy's milk is kind of like a, a not okay thing to do. But I will say I'm going to – oh, this is embarrassing to admit. I totally did this to my roommate in college. Um and like, <laughs> uh, not her milk. She had like a little mini fridge. Sorry, Lindsay. We're like best friends now and we laugh about it all the time. But sh- we hated each other. We were we were Kathy and Buffy to a T. And I'll share this one anecdote. So I was a music major in college and I was insanely, insanely busy. If you've ever known any music majors, they're just the craziest, busiest people. And it was Christmas concerts. So we were, we literally had like 12 performances that week and it was the week before finals. It was just a lot. And I had a huge mound of clothes in the corner of my room. And our room was not as roomy as Kathy and Buffy's. That would And I remember- Yeah. And I felt bad, but it was like, I literally just didn't have time. I was also doing work study at the time. I was busy. Anyway, I come back to my room at like 1130 at night, like completely exhausted. And there's a sticky note. (laughs) No, no, that would have been bad. There's a sticky note from my roommate saying, "Um, can you please clean up your mess? It's getting on my nerves or something like that. (laughs) And I was just like, she like... She chose it on a weekend when she was not going to be in the dorm. She Smart. like left for the weekend. <laughs> Smart girl. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I totally understand why it bothered her, but it was like at the time I was like, this is so insensitive. I'm so tired. I'm doing everything I can. But oh, it's so funny. It's it's hard living with someone that you don't know. Well, you don't. I was about to say, I was like, you don't know what you're signing up for because it's like literally, as Buffy said, a computer decided for us to be soulmates. It's true. Yeah. It's like they just like – like randomly pair you with somebody you've never met before and then you're just expected to share a small space like that's yeah really hard well and it's like there's no reprieve like you've literally you're uh, with like at class with annoying people all day then you come back to all full of people that yeah. are that might all get on your nerves then you get into a room and you don't you can't shut it on someone like there's a difference yeah. between sharing like an apartment or a space with someone and sharing a room like your room yes 
Mm-hmm. Yes. And you're literally like, it's maybe like 10 feet by 10 feet or something. Like it's not a very large space. At least my college dorm wasn't. And so it's like you're breathing the same air. Yeah. It, and it And it's another thing too. I mean, sharing a space with someone you do know is rough. Sharing it with mm-hmm. someone you absolutely don't even have like, you don't care about, you're not friends with. It's just a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. All right. So Buffy heads out to go and do some patrolling and she's talking with Willow. And I thought it was really interesting how Willow's like, all right, well, I'm going to go. I have to I have to go like do some homework or something like that. And then she just kind of like takes off and says, I wish you monsters. Happy hunting. But I was like noting how that's such a markedly drastic thing from high school when they would go patrolling together all the time or like Willow would stay out with her and study. Like it feels very much like Willow is – trying to find her own niche, her own space. and Well, I think college is a little bit different in the beginning. You're still trying to find your groove. And what if she had to study or like – like the time framing in college is very different than high school. High school is like traditional. It's like a work hours sort of thing. So it's like yeah. from 7 to 3. And then if you have sports or whatever, you have that after school and then you go home and study and go to bed. But like with college, it's like you could have all your classes in the evening – um, yeah. sometimes you map out certain times in the evening to like study or ha- like eat, do anything. So I really feel right. like it, this is a little bit excusable, but especially if it's been really light, I don't think that she's thinking Buffy's at any harm. Well, not to mention like, what is Willow really going to do if Buffy is in danger? Right. Again, I'm not trying to like fault Willow. I'm not saying, oh my gosh, she's being a bad friend. It's just interesting because I feel like in the past she would have stayed. But what you're saying, Tabby, like it's they they don't have the same class schedule. Their lives are like so markedly different. And that's why it's so hard to maintain friendships when you go to college because it's just hard to find a time where you both just like sync up. You end up spending time with the people who have the same courses and stuff with you because you're just around each other all the time. So then Kathy shows up. <laughs> And I died I have she to literally frolics to her. I was about to say, the actress who plays Kathy, I don't know if that was her choice. I don't know if that was Joss Whedon. I don't know whoever's. Brilliant, amazing. But please, the way that she like skips up, I'm like, <laughs> it's annoying. I, I wouldn't be able to do any scene as Kathy. I'd be cracking myself up. I literally, I, oh my gosh, I think I'd be mad at myself if I had to act the way she does. Props to Dagny. I really feel like there are a lot of memorable characters in Buffy, but everyone remembers her. She's in for, what, one and a half episodes, and she is so memorable. She is someone that pretty much everyone loves to hate, but not like in a, like, I abhor them like, you know, somebody else that's coming up rather soon. Um, She's just someone that is irritating, and the actress Dagny does a phenomenal job with her, and I just – I have fun watching her. Kathy's like, oh, everything's super. And that's the other thing. She talks like in this peppy, always happy like uh, voice all the time, which is very annoying. I think that would be the most annoying part for sure. The way people talk to me, I'm like, can you just act like an adult? (laughs) Yeah, right. She's like, I decided a decaf latte sounded like heaven after all. Anyone who invites themselves and just doesn't ask, I'm like, guys, I just don't understand that idea. I'm like, I – I'm also on the way other extreme. Someone has to personally invite me. It can't just be like a, a broad invite. It has to be like, we want you to come, Dabby. Otherwise, yes. I will not show up. But I think yes. like obviously there is like a moderation, but I feel like it's way better to be safe and be like, 
just assume people don't want you there unless they say it. Right. Rather than like reading right. into it and making everyone uncomfortable. And make them actually hate you. Yeah. 100%. I feel like we should have clued into the fact that Kathy was actually a demon because her social cues, like she's just not, it's like she's not from this world. Like she doesn't understand that you can't just like go into your roommate's closet and steal their sweater, which, whoo, that would, that would drive me nuts. Okay. Get in there. <laughs> Buffy. Oh, so you're coming along? And it says Buffy tries to find her smile. How is she going to patrol with this chick around? Which I feel for Buffy. She's been trying to patrol the past two episodes. And I I don't know why she just doesn't go back to like her old haunts, like the graveyards and stuff, because this feels impossible. So then somebody attacks them. Buffy pushes Buffy out of the way and is fighting this cloaked demon. Buffy pushes Buffy. <laughs> Buffy's fighting her shadow self yet again. <laughs> yeah, Kathy's Kath- Kath- her new shadow self. <laughs> oh, gosh. I miss Faith. Come back, Faith. Buffy shoves Kathy behind some bushes and starts fighting this cloaked demon. Um, and Kathy's all like annoyed. She's like, "Ugh, you hurt my sweater or whatever." And no, it's the phrasing. What the blizzard was that all about? <laughs> <laughs> I literally would sock Kathy in the face if she was my like roommate. I would be asking for like a room reassignment, literally asap. I'd be like. I can't, guys. You don't understand. And then Kathy's mad about her sweater. So Buffy's like, all right, let's go get you cleaned up. And then there goes, you know, patrolling for the rest of the night. So Carrie Meyer, the production designer, says that kind of their, like the production's season theme was trees. They said, we shot a lot of stock footage at UCLA to establish a scene. And then we cut in tighter to, to cover a scene at the Braun complex where you have red brick and you have lots of beautiful trees that sort of give you a campus feel. David Conef, the set decorator, said that this season for him is about trees because the college campus is so much more lush and green and beautiful. And not only are we spending time in graveyards in Sunnydale, but now we're on sort of exterior campus where you really want to get the feel of large quads and large green areas. Um, And they said they started to use trees as kind of a gimmick to get from point A to point B. So if they're like, hey, like we need to have like this scene and we don't want to spend too much and we know they need to go from somewhere to somewhere else, then they'd be like, all right, forest, trees. Um, And so they said they the idea was that this is a campus and then you have Sunnydale community and then they had forests in between. So the woods kind of are a buffer between the general Sunnydale community and the campus, which I kind of liked that idea. It kind of helps orient when you're thinking about where all the placement is of everything on Sunnydale. If you think about the fact that the college is kind of um, separated from everything by these woods. So David Conniff, set decorator, talks about how they would actually build their own stock trees out of pieces of trees that were cut down. He says, you can't normally get trees that big that are alive. A tree that was that big would be 10 or 12 foot box, but these trees are cut off at the bottom and nailed and plated to a rolling four foot stand. And that can be forklifted onto our cemetery or around the lot. I just base it out with some plants and it looks real. So what people see every week are usually silk plants or live plants that are staked down to the ground that are sitting in five gallon black pots or 10 gallon pots and we just base it all around with other plants to make it look like it's actually growing into the ground so the forest that they have around them is often all fake trees and not an actual forest which just blows my mind so like i went back and watched this scene after that and it's you can't even tell it just it's crazy i i don't even know how these people do that it's also funny because i mean i will say one thing about buffy is that they really never take into consideration how big an actual town or campus is. It's literally oh, yeah. just like, 
Oh, we need a forest? Okay, I'm sure there's a forest in Sunnydale. We need a zoo? Yeah, I'm sure there's a yeah, zoo in a tiny right, town. Like, right. Oh, we, we need this? We need oh, docks? Yeah, it's a, yeah, an airport? It's, it's, in a, it's, in a, it's in Sunnydale. I'm like, oh my god, is this LA? Like, why yeah. do you guys have everything? <laughs> yeah. Right. Most small towns do not have this. So then we have those two demons talking to each other. They say something cryptic like, she may be the one. We have to be sure. So go follow her. So then we cut to this courtyard outside of Giles' place, which I've literally never seen before. And mm-hmm. I, um, they apparently created this set for season four because they no longer had the library as a central location. So they were thinking of creating this courtyard to be kind of like a base of operations. Um as they were trying to figure out a spot that would work for everyone. And I didn't catch this before, but Buffy is waiting for Giles and she's bored. So she's going through his mail. <laughs> oh, Buffy. Like, but that the funny thing is that she's doing what Kathy does to her. She's going through Giles' stuff. She's trying to integrate and insert herself into Giles's life. And no, he's not the it. same thing. So. No, it's not, not the same, the same but thing. it's also like Buffy is like – close to Giles Mm -hmm. like that's practically like her father figure and so it's like it's way different when she's doing it is it still a little invasive yeah of course but it's not the same as a random stranger like being all up in your space no I agree I totally agree I won't say it's the exact same thing but I think that the the show I'm especially with the subversion at the end with Willow moving in I think they're trying to show that maybe there is a, a side of Buffy that is uh does need to learn a little bit of boundaries and stuff I don't know I just thought it was interesting that she's like going through his mail that's not something you typically do you know anyway whatever so Giles shows up and he's been running and I feel like he's taking on a new hobby every single time we see him. It's very strange. Buffy fills Giles in on the demon that she had seen the night before and then kind of starts to talk about Kathy. And Giles is like, you took Kathy patrolling with you? <laughs> Which Everyone's fair question. Confused. Yeah. Yes. And then uh, Giles is like, all right, so I'm not familiar with the creature and he's like, all right, well, that was a good talk, right? I'm going to go inside, take a shower, meeting's over. And Buffy's like, so um, it's nice out here. And Giles's like, yes, yes, it is. And then she's like, so what are you up to today? And he's like, well, and he starts to go into like what all he's going to do. And then he's like, it's suddenly occurring to me that you've never actually asked me <laughs> what my day's plans are. <laughs> That's how you know Buffy's really bored. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he's like, you're usually rushing off. I'm very confused. Because it's true. Like, when he said that, I thought about it. And I was like, every time they're in the library, it's like Buffy pops in. They figure it out. She's like, all right, got to go. And then they all walk away. And he's like, he gets like little shifts with them, which I feel like right. is kind of nice. But he's like, I'm not prepared to like <laughs> have to like babysit <laughs> these kids all the time. Right. Well, I mean, I think the last time that she actually tried to have a conversation with him, she was trying to talk to him about Miss Calendar so that Willow could go in and steal those Watcher Diaries books. Um, so Giles is like, uh-uh-uh, I ain't falling for that again. <laughs> uh, so then Buffy's like, I, I'm hanging out here because I don't want to go back to my room. I want her to go to class because Kathy is annoying. And so then they have this really sweet conversation where Giles is like, you know, living with someone isn't easy, especially for an only child. And Bubby's like, yeah, but she measures her pencils. She irons her jeans, Giles. She's evil. And Giles, you know, always the mature adults, like, you know, everyone has to learn to live with idiosyncrasies and to tolerate them. And Buffy's like, all right, take a mental picture. I'm going to be much more mature, much kinder. 
And then we go to this next scene. Except for the fact that I'd suck someone in the face if they did this. <laughs> yeah. No, okay. Like I will say, like, I would love to talk I about think, this one, though. No, I think what's bad about it is the fact that it's not outlandish. I think yeah. that's what makes this episode so bad is that she's – Kathy mm-hmm. isn't doing, like, stuff that I'm like, no one would ever do that. That's crazy. It's like a, oh, my gosh, A, I've heard of people doing this, and B, I'm like, that totally would happen. And it's ridiculous. And you have to, I feel like I have to preface this. You have to build up a rapport with somebody and you have to communicate and give consent if you can go in and borrow things without asking. Like um, one of my old roommates, uh, her and I kind of talked about it and we were like, I asked her beforehand, before, like when we first moved in, I was like, all right, are there things that you don't want me doing? Like, with, let's like talk about everything. And then one of them was like, yeah, that's really smart. We both, we both were like, we don't mind if each other balls closed. There's just specific things that we don't let anyone borrow. And so we kind of like laid it out. And we usually would ask each other, but every once in a while, like if we were wearing like a sweater that we both knew neither one of us cared about. Like, that was fine. That was normal. But, like, if you're not even newly friends, you're newly roommates and you don't know each other, it's absolutely so rude to go in and just take somebody's clothes. But the fact that she's confidently wearing it around school and purposely invites herself to lunch, knowing that Buffy's going to see it, that's what's crazy to me. I'm like, you don't care? (laughs) It's just odd that she thinks it's okay. I mean, and it's very clear that that's supposed to be kind of like a separate – like Buffy put her war or her weapons bag in there. That's mm-hmm. supposed to be a place that no one's supposed to see. And then like there's kind of like a little latch that she had to like unlock to get in there. It just – it the way it was shot was a very clear violation, I felt, of Buffy's mm-hmm. privacy. And th- this is one of those scenes that wasn't in the script, which I find very interesting. So you could tell Joss is like, we have extra time. So like, because it's not necessarily, it's not necessary. Like we didn't need to see Kathy finding all the stuff, but they just needed more stuff to, to add into the episode. All right. So Buffy's in the cafeteria and sees Kathy and is like, crap, I don't want Kathy to see me and quickly jumps into line right in front of Parker. And all I can think of is Mr. Eyebrows. Yeah. His eyebrows are intense. They are it looks very like intense. He, oh wait, man! Dang, neither of you guys have seen Shit's Creek. Never mind. I've seen Shit's Creek. You've seen it? Yeah, Andrew it's watched so it, good. And it to me. It's Isn't so, it so good. good. I love it. Um, I was about to say he looks like he's part of the Levy um family. He totally does. Oh, they're really fantastic eyebrows. eyebrows. Uh-huh. Yes. The script says Buffy turns to find herself staring up into the dreaminess that is Parker Abrams. He's a few years older, very sweet and smart, and he makes girls go goo goo with his eyes. Buffy tried to play it cool despite the oh, go yeah. goo goo with his eyes. Go goo goo. That's <laughs> that is Marty Noxon's words right there. <laughs> um, and I'm like I'm still trying to figure out who Buffy's next love interest is going to be because we had that blonde dude, but he seemed far more into Willow, and now we have Parker Abrams. So yes, it's a complete mystery Kathy. for us. We have no idea who <laughs> Buffy is going to choose, if anyone. We will learn with all of you guys. <laughs> oh, Leah. So Parker starts a conversation with her and is like, hey, so, you know, you're a freshman. This is how you, like, get your meals worth. Oh, my gosh. He's he's a little smooth and Buffy has completely fallen for this hook, line, and sinker. It's the eyebrows, man. It's the eyebrows. 
So they exchange names and she goes off to find Willow and Xander and Oz sitting down. And it's really fun to see all of them sitting together. It feels a lot like the high school, um, like a high school lunch or whatever. Uh, Buffy's like, hey, not that I mind Xander, but like, why are, why are you here? And I thought it was really interesting to note that Xander is super eager. This is like the second time now he's mentioned getting the gang back together. In the freshman, he was the one that was like, hey, Avengers assemble and stuff. And here he's like, let's get the Scooby gang together. And it's in contrast, Willow, like kind of like, you know, her leaving Buffy to go slay. Um, and even Buffy is kind of pretty content to do things other than slay. But Xander is the only one that's kind of purposeless. And he doesn't seem to have a job, isn't in college. His parents are not great to him. And he's like, hey, like, let's all get together. Let's do things because that's the only thing he has in his life right now. And I thought that was kind of sad. I think it's kind of good, though. I think it's good for Xander to feel kind of alone. I think it's good for him to kind of wander. I think it's good for mm. him to not have everyone around him. You know, I think he needs to kind of figure things out by himself. Yeah, totally. I I think so too. It's just it's interesting. I think like with I mean Giles seems to be really enjoying his life right now, but I I'm curious if we're going to see him flounder as well like without having a thing, you know. So, Willa's like, "All right, who is that guy? Spill the beans." And I got to say everyone is super sweet and supportive of Buffy yep, in I was this about moment. To say, Oz is like, "No question, he'll be back." So sweet. And even even Xander is like, that's because he got hit by the Buffinator. Now he's powerless. Like it just, it was a sweet way of him recognizing and acknowledging that like he too has maybe had a feelings for Buffy, but like not in like a creepy way of like he's still like hanging onto her. It was kind of like, yeah, I can understand why he would like you, Buffy. It just was very sweet and pure. But I feel like they handled this so well for somebody who's freshly out of a three-year-ish long relationship. Like they're just very yeah. casual, very like supportive, but not in like a overbearing way because that can turn people off. And they're like, oh, I don't know if I'm ready, you know, whatever. They're just very casual about it, which I feel like is what Buffy needs when she's going to like yes. be interested in somebody like for the first time in a long time. She needs everyone to treat it like it's normal. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I'm thinking back to how Willow was kind of pushing um, Scott Hope really hard on Buffy when Buffy wasn't quite ready. And I felt mm -hmm. like this was just very appropriate. Yeah. And then Kathy shows up. <laughs> She's like, hi, everybody. Squeeze in. And she wiggles between Buffy and Xander. And Buffy's like, you all know Kathy, my roomie. Like <laughs> – the passive aggressiveness. Um, so then Kathy's wearing the sweater and you could tell that Buffy doesn't want to be petty. And she's like, no, no, it's cool. I just wished you'd ask. And I I was thinking, I was like, you know, it's okay to say, hey, like, that is my thing. It's like, can you mm -hmm. please like ask next time? I don't think that's petty. But then Kathy's saying like, I didn't think you'd mind since you got mine all dirty. Yeah, that was not, yeah, no. <laughs> Even though Buffy didn't tell her that it was a demon, Kathy knew that there was someone attacking them. She heard Buffy fight them. So, yeah. Is oh, dumb. my gosh. And then the ketchup falling, Ooh. I would rip her throat out. <laughs> no, Tabby specifically actually would. Like, yes, that would make me mad for sure. But, like, that – I know, like, Tabby would probably just suck her in the face. It's fair, though, because, like, I like oh, I spend so a good amount of money on – on my clothes and I have since like high school like I started buying my own things when I got a job when I was 17 and like 
having siblings borrow things and then getting it dirty or like <laughs> random roommates or just like people like and then just like losing clothes and or people using them shrinking in the dryer or just like it's like it's so frustrating because you're like oh like some of the stuff I paid some good money for like it's like you it's a one purchase thing but you you try to keep it nice for at least a couple of years like that's the ideal and so like Seeing somebody wear it and then you feeling uncomfortable to say anything and then them getting ketchup on it. Oh, I just – I get it. It's so frustrating. This episode is like nails on a chalkboard to me. Or not mm-hmm. this episode, but like this specific moment because Kathy, I don't think she's intentionally trying to do it, but she is kind of gaslighting Buffy's emotions in this in this moment. Kind of like, it's not a big deal, Buffy. Mm-hmm. And if Buffy feels like if she was to say, no, it actually is a big deal, she's going to look like the petty one. She's going to look like the overacting, mm-hmm. overreacting one. Instead, it's actually Kathy who's, who's the one that's at fault. And I think that's what makes us all like so livid at Kathy because it just kind of like – uh, no, that's not what's actually happening. Well, we and we've all line. had that very real moment where it's like, whether it's a roommate, friend, whatever, where you're put in a place where it's like, you don't really know how to communicate to someone that what they're doing is just kind of not yeah. okay. Right. But you know it's not okay. Yeah. And they know it's not okay. And they know it's not okay or they yep. don't. But it's like... You, you feel like it's obvious. It's just – it's yeah. so tricky because it's, it's like you don't want to come off as rude. You don't want to come off as like nitpicky, but you're also like, this is my stuff. Like, like yeah. I feel like it's okay for me to be nitpicky because it's mine. I bought it. And then we have that like amazing like horror-esque uh, zoom into Buffy as her eye just like does a little twitch. Oh, so good. So that night – Buffy is sitting on her bed with the phone and she's talking to Willow about how annoying she, how annoying Kathy is, how annoyed she is with her. And I love that they show subtle things with Willow and her roommate situation to show that uh, what's happening with Willow is actually almost worse than what's happening with Buffy and Kathy. Like she has a literal like rager. It says her roomie is clearly a stoner maniac and the place is a chaotic mess. <laughs> As she listens, Willow gets hit in the head with a Nerf football. Clearly this happens a lot because she barely reacts. That would be frustrating too. Yeah, especially for Willow who's like trying to study. Um, so Willow's very kind, very supportive, and then Kathy comes in and it, in a sing-song voice, it's like, don't forget to log those calls. Uh, and then she whips out dental floss and starts flossing on her bed. On her I, bed. Okay, I will say for Kathy supposed to being like she's supposed to be this germaphobe, like clean freak Super person. Neat. Yeah. But it's right. like flossing and then cutting your toenails and not picking it up. I'm like, this is what makes sense character-wise. I don't really understand this one. But also, if you're unobservant to your own flaws, then it's like, it makes sense that there'd be contradictions. That's true. That's a good point, Leah. So then we have this hilarious moment where Buffy opens the fridge and literally... Everything is labeled with Kathy in like all caps letters, even down to every single individual. As if she doesn't know that like whatever's (laughs) not hers in the fridge has to be by default Kathy's. But also it just goes to show like Kathy's inconsiderateness because every single corner of that fridge is taken up by Kathy's stuff. Mm-hmm. There's not even room for Buffy's, like one apple that she wants to put but in. But yet she goes into Buffy's closet 
Like the walk right. closet opens it and grabs a sweater out and has the goal to like name her eggs. Yeah, Kathy's eggs. Uh, and so as Buffy's up, Kathy goes, you can see behind Buffy, Kathy's shutting the window that Buffy wants. Buffy gets up, opens the window, and then Kathy grabs her book and there's a huge wad of gum stuck to the book. I will say this is Buffy's fault. Buffy, that is gross. Totally. Totally, Buffy. Not okay. And Kathy's like, ew, who left their gum here? I love how <laughs> Buffy so swallows it goes. So aggressive. I don't know. <laughs> I love her. <laughs> and then she's like, it wasn't me. It had to be somebody, Buffy. And she's like, huh, don't know. Oh, my word. <laughs> so funny. And then it says, Kathy, furious, puts the book down, flicks off her light. Kathy, fine. Buffy smiles, feeling she won that round. Buffy, fine. <laughs> all right. And then so it's like, ha, ha, ha. This is hilarious. This is so funny. And all of a sudden, cut to what the frick is happening? Like the most like scary horror montage we've had yet. Creepy rituals done on Buffy's belly button with a scorpion. Like she's being fed blood. Her essence being sucked I know. out. I feel like, like this episode is such whiplash. You're like, ah, that's funny gum. And you're like, wait, what the frick? Yeah, I love the metaphor of your horrid roommate literally sucking the soul out of you. Like, very appropriate. Feels like that sometimes. You wake up, you're like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) Leah having to hear Tabby cough twice in the middle of the night. (laughs) I mean, I don't hear her. My phone just does. So then Buffy wakes up sweaty and breathless and looks over, and Kathy's staring at her, and she's like, do you always make that noise when you sleep? Oh, gosh. Excuse me for existing, Kathy. I would have just also, been like, don't yeah. listen to me while I'm sleeping. It's creepy. <laughs> like, when I want to wake up, I don't want you staring at me. Well, but also, like, people can't control how they are when they sleep. Like, yeah. well, what is Buffy going to do? Subconsciously be better in her sleep? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my word. That's true. All right, so they're all sitting in like the commons area, which I it's, they call it the atrium, which I absolutely love this set. It's so cool. They did a really, really great job of making it feel open and airy and bright. I feel like this was kind of what they were trying to do with that one area in season three in the in the high school that they never really knew what to do with. So then Buffy's telling them all about this horrible dream that she had. And she's like, and the worst part is I wake up and there's Kathy. And Oz is like, the worst part? I'd have to go with the demon pouring blood down your throat. And Willow looks completely like sketched out. She's like, "Uh, yeah, I was going to vote for that too. (laughs) It's interesting to me, like throughout the whole episode that everyone doesn't believe that the person who actually has prophetic dreams that like their dream would actually be real. It 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 just is kind of weird it's to me that they don't believe her. For some reason, Buffy's friends have the hardest time believing her, even though Buffy's literally always right. Yep. Even if Buffy was wrong a lot of the time, I would trust her intuition because on the off chance that Buffy is right, we're screwed. So mine is exactly well go with Buffy. And then Kathy shows up again. She's like, "You can read dreams, neat." And it says Buffy doesn't even pretend to be happy to I'm see just her. Just asserting and- herself into the conversation. <laughs> I okay, so I don't understand why Kathy, if she is so annoyed with Buffy, why she keeps following Buffy around. And you'd think, to, like- Sarah. You'd think I've met people <laughs> like this. No, I'm not even joking. You'd think is is all I'm going to say. Like she makes so many comments, they're arguing. It's weird, but then it's like then they still sit with you. Then they still invite themselves. Yeah. And you're like, what? Well, but it also could be that Kathy doesn't have any other friends. 
So it's like oh, yeah. even for as much she's as she's also Buffy's used to family her, being annoyed with her, so yeah. she's like thinking this is a form of love. <laughs> she's like, this is normal. <laughs> this feels comfortable. It's like you know, going always going back to toxic relationships because they feel normal and safe. That's Kathy going back to you know everyone hating her because that's what she's used to. That's funny. Um, and so like Giles is like meeting her, and Kathy seems to Giles perfectly normal and Kathy like lets it slip that she had a nightmare that sounds very similar to what Buffy had that's what um, she slipped up why would you like say you have the same dream like if you're just trying to seem normal like why do you have to have the exact same dream when you're the one sucking life out of her just be like oh yeah had a good night's sleep so awake I never had a better night's sleep in my <laughs> life but like Didn't so dumb once. so stupid to sit there and be like did you guys have a dream about a demon like a second of life <laughs> out of you with uh, anyone else like that's <laughs> you're so really crazy. just incriminating yourself <laughs> can't imagine why you had that dream buffy <laughs> well, it's a funny thing. I think I think it's Kathy just being passive aggressive again, where it's like Buffy can't have her own thing. Kathy has to share it too. Like Buffy can't have her own clothes. Kathy has to have the clothes. Buffy can't have her group of friends. Kathy has to share friends. Buffy can't have her own unique dream. Buffy's Kathy like, man, I just like my head hurts. I feel dehydrated. She's like, oh, well, I have diarrhea, so. <laughs> she's like um okay thank you right she's like one upper it could also be kathy's trying to save her butt because she probably overheard buffy talking about the dream and was like oh snap like i'd be the first suspect so i better like get in there and say i had that dream too i don't know either way it rubs buffy the wrong way it rubs us the wrong way um and then Buffy's like, yeah, that's it. When Oz is like, yeah, with leeches and stuff, she's like, how did you know? And Oz is like, I'm a good guesser. And it says, Buffy, bitchy sweet. Me too. And I'm guessing you have to be on your way to class. Right, Kath? And then Kathy's like, sounds like somebody woke up on the wrong side of the bed this morning. And Buffy's like, and guess what? You were next to it. <laughs> it's true, though. Maybe it's my toxic trait, but I don't think Buffy does, like, anything wrong in this episode. <laughs> I just can't. I, like, even this stuff that's bad, I'm like, eh, it's justified. Oh, gosh. And then when, like, Kathy leaves, she's like, toodles. Buffy's like, toodles. <laughs> Super loud. That's so funny. This must have been so fun for both of those actresses to play out. I would have absolutely died. Bro, if I was Sarah Michelle Gellar, I would never be able to hang out with this actress outside of this because I could only see her as Kathy. I just want to know if this girl has got to be the sweetest thing in real life. She's got to be the best actress known to anyone to be able to convey this particular level of irritation. Like, oh, she's so good. So then Giles is like, all right, so something happened when you both encountered that same demon. Um, and then Willow's like, we need to figure out if the ritual they're dreaming about has some special use or meaning. And I just want to say Buffy and Willow both look beautiful in this episode. Like Willow's the same. makeup and her hair, I'm obsessed with it. Buffy's makeup, hair, her wardrobe. I also just like that because it's great. showing that like Willow is starting to feel more confident and stuff. Because yes. I really don't feel like we saw her wearing a lot of makeup in high school and like yeah. really experimenting. And so it's like it's subtle ways of showing that Willow is finding herself a lot in college. Willow has a total glow up. I love it. Even her clothes just look more mature and they all like they're cohesive. They aren't clashing with the patterns. I love that Willow brings up. She's like – Okay, that was the bad twin, right? I mean, she was almost Cordelia-esque, which uh, Mark Field 
he talks about how he feels like that's just another indication that um, Cordelia was supposed to be, or initially was Buffy's shadow side for her human side. So it's just very interesting that they make that correlation. Then we see the two demons. They're talking and they are like, she's the one. And then they open this portal. So Buffy heads into her room and sees Parker there, but he's laying on Kathy's bed and they're just chatting like they've been like best friends for forever. And Kathy, the way that she inserts herself into this conversation between Buffy and Parker, oh, so irritating. So irritating. He's such a hoot. Oh, my body just like curled up. Viscerally reacts. Yes. So Parker is very sweet. He brought her some freezer guard so that she can take her food with her into the cafeteria. And it seems like it's inferred that like he's going out of his way to see Buffy. Um, Kathy's kind of like cock blocking her over here. So Parker takes his leave and Buffy's a little like snippy with Parker and then stops and like apologizes to him and they promise to see each other again later. And then this moment. So the door slams and Buffy just like turns completely around. (laughs) And it's like it's her head on. turns like just as a full one eighty as if she's an owl. Yeah, <laughs> she like she like the exorcist starts like uh, levitating. Mrs. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then Kathy's like, "It wouldn't have killed you to be nice, you know." And Buffy's like, "Look like you're being nice enough for the both of us." Kathy closes the window, and then Buffy walks over, opens it. She's like, "I'm cold." She's like, well, I'm hot. <laughs> and then Kathy straightens the floor rug where Buffy just kicked it, which is hilarious because I feel like Joss wrote that in there specifically because of how his roommate would do that to him. Um, it says that Kathy starts flossing like a mad woman. Buffy removes a padlock from her backpack and moves <laughs> over to the closet and like looks at Kathy while she's like, click. <laughs> Right. Just like you didn't destroy my cardigan. Buffy kicks the rug back out of place as she moves to the window. Kathy just closed and opened it again. Kathy says, your problem is you're spoiled. Maybe the world revolves around you where you used to live, but it's share time now. Share time, bro? Who says that? (laughs) Only Kathy. Then Buffy goes to the refrigerator and like a maniac grabs the milk and just chugs it and lets it pour down everywhere. Oh my goodness. All right. So then we have this next scene, which was not initially in the script, but was added in as well, um, which I think is really, really cool. It wasn't necessary, but I think it adds a lot to the episode. So you see Oz and Willow talking and they're kind of talking about how strange Buffy's been acting and Willow is really, really busy. So Oz steps in and is like, hey, I can like go listen to Buffy, which I was like, be the stand-in BFF. MVP, man. Good boyfriend, good friend. And then we have that little moment where Willow goes to go inside her dorm room and hears the party and is like, all right, I'll be in the library. And I was like, good for you, that Willow. That would suck. And then this next scene with Oz coming out. So I kind of feel like they added the scene with um, Willow and Oz just so they can show Oz coming out of the building for this one moment. And I'm not sure what to make of it. But Oz is walking along and there's this girl in a group and they kind of make eye contact and there is a moment that happens between them. And I don't know what moment it is, but I don't like it. Moving on. Did you just say like it? Yeah. Have you never seen that clip with Chris Evans? Like it? I don't like no. it. Oh, my word. Why am I? Why do I it know sounds these things? like a baby. 
Okay, I don't so like it. Brief tangent. Chris Evans, he has a couple of nephews, and one of his nephews, whenever he is mom and dad tell him to do something, he goes, I don't like it. And so Chris Evans was hanging around with them a lot. And when he this was like a couple years back, then he was doing press interviews for one of the Avengers movies or something. And they asked him a question that he did not like and that he's like heard a bajillion times. And he, without even thinking, goes, I don't like it. And didn't realize that he <laughs> was sounding like his nephew. And so everyone – it was like viral for a while. Anyway, okay. All right. So Oz is accompanying Buffy while she's patrolling. And once again, I am left bemoaning the fact that there is not enough Oz in this season and in this show in general. There's, I was about to say there's never enough Oz in a season. Nope. Never enough. So Buffy's recounting all of the horrendous things that Kathy's been doing to her, and Oz is just sitting there listening like the good listener that he is, and she does like the whole like pretend punching in the air, and uh, they talk about like mines and stuff, and Buffy in a fit of rage ends up kicking and destroying <laughs> a park bench, and Oz is just sitting there like, I think this is worse than we thought it was. Well, he's like, is all this ranting scaring away potential demons, you think? And then she's like, oh, she's even ruining my my career. And then she kicks <laughs> the bench and like completely destroys it. And Oz is like, well, on the plus side, you killed the bench, which was looking shifty. <laughs> so Oz seems concerned. And if Oz is concerned, so am I. And I just wanted to relate this really cute story that I found that I forgot to mention in The Freshman. So um, the day that they shot the initiation day for Buffy, Will, and Oz in The Freshman, it was actually also the initiation day for the incoming freshman at UCLA, which is where they shoot the exterior shots of the college. Um, this was due to the fact that Angel ended up getting postponed um, because of like script rewrites and other things like that. So they ended up delaying Buffy as well so they could um, air at the same time. Um, and because of it, it ended up being at the same time that there was uh, initiation. Ed Duffy, the locations manager, says this. He says, we had 200 kids there as extras and they had 800 kids incoming and we couldn't quite ascertain who was us and who was them. And it became a pretty interesting day. They had to put up a sign that said, you'll be on TV. So apparently in that episode, some of the people that were going through the shots that you think are extras are actually actual incoming freshmen that were orienting that day and didn't realize they would be on camera, which is kind of crazy. Could you imagine you're so stressed about college, you're just trying to get there and do stuff, and then there's like a camera crew and stuff, you're like, yeah. what on earth? Right. Well, and they said that besides that, they were also constructing a building right of like 10 feet behind them, so they had to like go in between jackhammers and all that other stuff to film, which, I mean, I can't even imagine. And he says, of course, all those freshmen were very interested in Buffy and very interested in Seth and Allison, and we couldn't figure out how to keep them away from them because we didn't know who was us and who wasn't. And he talks about how so many of those kids actually knew more about Buffy than a lot of the people on Buffy. They knew all the writers and everyone, so they were like really interested in asking questions. And he says, Seth was very much talking to all of them, so there was one point where we actually broke for lunch and we moved inside a lecture hall and Seth stayed out there through his whole lunch hour and signed things and talked to every single person until they were done talking to him. He finished this by saying he realized he needed to keep them all a bit more insulated so they didn't run into the issue again. But isn't that so cool? Aww. That's so sweet. Everything that I've ever heard about Seth Green is that he's like a sweetheart. Yeah. I just I love that. But his entire lunch hour, like what what is just like a precious man? 
All right. So then we have this whole interaction where it's like everything comes to a head. Kathy is clipping her toenails and the shot. No, the shot, the slow-mo. I was like, please get that off my screen. The the sound effects are so dramatic. It but it really it just comes to show like when you are so irritated by someone, every little thing they do just becomes the biggest thing. Buffy's trying to study tapping her pencil, which is in turn bothering Kathy. So then Kathy goes and turns on Cher. Buffy snaps her pencil and is like, all right, that's it. And she so she grabs earmuffs. Kathy goes to the refrigerator, takes out one of her labeled eggs. How is she hearing the cracking of the egg when she has earmuffs in? That's what doesn't make sense to me. Is it her enhanced hearing because she's a slayer? Could that be it? No, but why put the earmuffs in for the music then if you're going to hear the crackling? I mean, they might not be noise canceling though. You could still hear stuff. Well, the script says that like she's anticipating Kathy like eating the egg and it's supposed to be like really, really gross. But anyway, Buffy gives up. She says, that's it. I'm going to sleep. Kathy's like, sweet dreams. And then we have another nightmare of really gross stuff happening to Buffy and she wakes up. Here's Kathy like snort. <laughs> um, and then we have this moment between Willow and Kathy. And okay, I feel like this was – Another instance where Kathy was just completely in the wrong. Like, who goes to the best friend of the person you have issues with without actually talking to the person that you have issues with? Like, it just, it's just not okay. I think it's interesting to note that as the episode goes along, Buffy's clothing gets darker and more gray. Um, and someone on Reddit was pointing out that the colors that Buffy wears in this scene and for the rest of the episode, like the dark gray dress and stuff, actually matches the colors from Wish First Buffy. Um, even with her hair pulled up and like the darker eyeshadow and stuff, it really resembles kind of like the mindset and the framing of how they were trying to portray Wish First Buffy. So Kathy is ranting uh, to Willow. She's like, she's secretive for one thing. She comes and goes at all hours of the night. She leaves her gum all over the place. And Willow is obviously very uncomfortable with this and is like, you should be talking to Buffy about this. And I think Willow handled this like perfectly. I don't fault her for anything here. So Buffy sees them talking, is immediately not okay with it, and goes right up to Willow. Uh, is like, why were you talking to her? And Willow's like, this has to stop. I have a sucky roommate. You have to deal with it. And then Buffy's like, well, you know, it's clear to me. Kathy's evil. I have to kill her. And Willow's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Take 10 steps they back. immediately like jump from it. She's like, you know what? This is how I handle it. I love how the episode really makes you think that Buffy's being irrational and how you really for the first time start to go, oh, like maybe Buffy – like something is funky. I like how you see more than the Scoobies and yet you side with him. Like it doesn't seem like the Scoobies are necessarily jumping to conclusions or they're not believing Buffy. Like it's just interesting. I I really like how the episode portrays it because the first time I watched this, I 100% thought that Buffy was in the wrong. And then at the very end, I was like, oh, snap, she actually was right. So Willow's like, can't you just like switch rooms? There's got to be a less extreme thing from like something in between killing your roommate and uh, like, you know, just living with her. Like there's got to be something here. And I didn't notice this before, but when Buffy grabs the toenail clippings, she used the Ziploc bag that Parker gave her to put the toenail clippings in. I don't think I ever put that together too. That's so funny. (laughs) Isn't that funny? (laughs) She's like, thanks, Parker. 
So Buffy's like, her toenails are growing. That's a demon thing. Evil toenails. I collected them off the floor when she was in the bathroom last night. She thought I was asleep, which sounds like such a manic thing to do. And Willow's like at this point completely like placating her. She's like, good thinking because in the middle of the night, those toenails could have attacked you and left. Well, I think that she's a little bit scared of Buffy. So she's like, how about you go and talk to Giles? Yes, exactly. So then Buffy goes to talk to Giles and Willow immediately picks up the phone. Is like, hey, Giles, like something funky is going on here. Like I sent well, her she's over like, to you. She's like, Buffy's crazy. Um, She's on her way to you. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Poor well, Willow. I think Willow's just like, I can't deal with this. I got stuff of my own. All right. So Buffy enters in and a net drops over her. <laughs> and then Oz and Xander and Giles grab her. And she's like trying to rationalize with them. And, and Xander's like, sorry, Buffy, this hurts me more than it hurts you. And Buffy's like, not yet, but it will. And Sandra's like, don't say that. Please don't say that. <laughs> well, when Giles come, not Giles, sorry. Um, Xander's like, something's amiss. And she's like, yeah, something's amiss. I miss Kathy Newman. <laughs> <laughs> Such a funny line. <laughs> oh, my word. And then she's like, look in my pocket. So then Giles like pulls out the baggie and she's like, Giles, she has parts that keep growing. She irons her jeans. She's evil. She plays nothing but love songs. <laughs> <laughs> and Giles like completely stops talking to her and is like talking to Xander and Oz as if Buffy's like not even in the room. He's like, I fear she's possessed by a demon. And Buffy's like continuing to rant. And Xander's like, Yeah, you think? Um, so Giles like, all right, stay there, watch her. I'm gonna go grab my spell stuff. And Buffy's like staring them down menacingly. It's so funny. So then Willow goes to talk to Kathy and to try and warn her and have her stay away. If Buffy thought someone was like a demon or something, I would not want to go and like see them. I'd be like, on the safe side, I'm just going to stay far away. Right. Well, at this point, Willow's just thinking Buffy is a threat to Kathy, is going to hurt her. Kathy's an innocent. Again, they they just don't believe Buffy, which I mean – Buffy does sound a little, like, extreme and paranoid with the whole toenail clippings, but we know she's right. And then Kathy kind of starts to sketch Willow out a little bit. She's like, I wouldn't put it past her to drop out or take off or something, do something horrible to herself. And Willow's like, The girls are making themselves crazy. Kathy really didn't have to do much. She could have totally been fine. Nobody would have suspected her of anything, but she's like, or worse, she's capable of it, you know. You can see it in those shifty little eyes of hers. One of these days, she might even push somebody too far. And it says Willow is unnerved enough by Kathy's creepy talk that she actually jumps when the phone rings. And it's Oz, and Oz is confirming that they actually caught Buffy. And so Will is like, all right, cool. She's like, I regret coming in here. Everything's fine. You stay in your own room. You just don't leave, okay? And then Buffy pulls at the ropes and they start to question whether or not they actually tied this them. This scene was so funny. They're like trying to talk to each other while Buffy's like <laughs> staring at them like a menace. But like they're talking to each other as if Buffy's not literally three feet away from them. They're like, do you think the ropes are tied? enough and then they're like Bobby's like are you guys dumb <laughs> yeah <laughs> they start inching their way it's so funny Oz is like we better go over there and check them out and Xander's like ha 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 you're so funny and then he's like oh no you're serious <laughs> oh dear god <laughs> It says, and they creep towards Buffy, who watches them like a predatory cat. Xander's like, avoid the legs, avoid the legs. And then Buffy smashes their heads together and goes, nope, not tight enough. Ah, it's perfect. Love it. 
it's just refreshing to see like such a lighter side of the show and Buffy. It's just so fun. We've needed it. All right. So the first place she goes is to confront Kathy. The epic music is so funny. They're like facing off to get their stances and they're like face to face. <laughs> we needed like a standoff cowboy music. She's like, Kathy. And then Kathy, even the way she moves is irritating. The way she like slaps the magazine down and uncrosses her legs and goes, Buffy. <laughs> or no, or no, the whole like she goes, absolutely. Let's talk. No, I just love the first thing that any one of them ever does is Buffy like kicks the rug back. <laughs> That's what she oh. does. Oops, look what I did. That's it. Kathy slaps Buffy in the kisser hard. Kathy, look what I did. Ugh, and they go at each other. And I really, really love the the choice to immediately reveal that Kathy is the demon because they could have saved that till it, the well, very end. I like it because if they really nailed on each other, we'd all be thinking, why is Buffy hitting a human this hard? But yeah. they chose yeah. to kind of show that Kathy's a demon right away so that we're like, oh, okay, kick her butt. <laughs> Take her yeah, yeah, also, exactly. Like, even if she was human, Buffy didn't harm her until mm-hmm, she was yeah. aware, which is good. Right. Well, in either way, it's the – at the end, we find out that she had her soul sucked out of her, which then you're like, okay, that excuses a lot. But just like with the Joyce thing and the cookies and all that, you kind of can't undo what you're watching Buffy do when you think that she's not possessed, when you think it actually is Buffy. So like mm-hmm. they could only go so far. Not necessarily band candy, but uh, gingerbread, I think is what you're thinking of. Oh, no. I said um, the cookies, the cookies that she ate from Ted. It's the oh, whole cookies thing. Oh, oh. Yeah, but gingerbread would be another obvious example for sure. I love Buffy's triumphant. I knew it. Ah, Buffy, even without your soul, your instincts are still right on the money. So the demons are continuing to chant. And then it says the great one, Taparik, steps out of the portal. So in the script, they cut out, or in the episode, they cut out this whole dialogue. It says, Kathy says, quit it, which only enrages Buffy more. She spits. I knew you were one of them, one of those demon things. Kathy says, I'm not. Those guys are after me. Buffy says, funny. I'm seeing the skin, the eyes. Kathy says, so I'm from the same dimension, but I'm not like them. They're disgusting. And then Buffy says, what? They don't live by the Kathy, in quotations, system. And then (laughs) Kathy says, you know, why don't you just stuff it and let me finish my ritual? And so then we find out that Buffy's nightmares were real. And then Kathy talks about how she left her dimension to go to college and that they don't know what shape she is in. She doesn't have a soul. They can sense creatures without soul. So Kathy was borrowing Buffy's. <laughs> Buffy, without even asking. So Kathy's like, when they come looking for me, they'll take you. <laughs> and Buffy, thank God I won't have to watch you floss anymore. I love how even when there's crazy stuff going on, Buffy's still thinking about like the little stuff that Kathy has done. Right. Totally. And I wrote that down too. I was like, Buffy is so less concerned about like actually self-preservation or winning. She's just like being petty. How was Buffy able to get her soul back? I don't, I've never understood that. Well, Giles does that ritual. They cut to Giles who does the ritual that forces Kathy to give the soul back. That's how it happened. Oh, I didn't see him do the ritual. Okay. Yeah. Which I do want to point out. I think it's very, very interesting that Giles has Willow assist him with the ritual and the spell, which I feel like is the first time that he's actively like encouraged Willow and to do magic because Mm -hmm. I feel like he's always discouraging her. So this feels like another like big moment for both Willow and Giles. 
So then we have Kathy. It's share time, Buffy. Buffy, fine. Let's start with my sweater and grabs the sweater and starts strangling Kathy with it. Oh my goodness. I want to know how she got that stain out because that type of material is so hard it to would get not particularly. Have, she, like, it would have been stains. goner. Yeah. Yeah. Xander, why couldn't Giles have shackles like any self-respecting bachelor? And then Giles lets it slip. Hey, guys, like the toenails actually are growing. Buffy was right. Uh, fun fact. Okay. Did you you guys know who Linda Blair is, right? So Xander says, Buffy's been doing a Linda Blair on us because Kathy's been sucking her soul. So Linda Blair played the little girl in The Exorcist. Uh. Um, yeah. yeah. So I don't know if you guys know this, but fun fact about us, did you guys know that our Uncle Chris dated her? What? Yeah, our Uncle Chris dated Linda Blair. Dude, that's random. From The Exorcist? From The Exorcist, yeah. Did you know that in um in Scream, she's a random reporter? They did it on purpose. She's an adult, and she runs up to Gail Weathers, and she goes she – goes, That's um, her? Yeah, she goes, Gail, how is it like to be like slapped or whatever on national television? And then she walks away, and that's like you see her full that's face, her. and they did it on oh, purpose because they they mention so cool. they mention a lot of horror movies in the first the, the couple actually all the screen movies, but they the Exorcist is mentioned a few times in the movie, and so okay. they brought her in. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. So I did not know that. What in the world? Yeah, how he did. Did that, did that even happen? Well, because um, for those of you who don't know, we have several family members. I mean, we grew up in LA, so we're close to Hollywood. We had several family members that worked in Hollywood. Um, as uh, Uncle Chris specifically does, like set decorating, he worked on the movie The Little Princess um, and Apollo Thirteen. He helped do a lot of like the set stuff with that. Um, and through the movie industry, he met Linda Blair and they started dating. They're not obviously not together. He married someone else and had kids and stuff like that. But yeah, they dated for a little bit. It wasn't anything serious. I think it was only that they went out a couple times. But yeah, kind of crazy. So random. Yeah. But it just popped in my head when I was writing notes. That's crazy. So then Xander and Oz are like, I love that it's Oz. Oz is very proactive in this episode. Oz immediately is like, all right, we're going to go help Buffy. Um, and then they just take off, which I think is is really, really cool. So Buffy, again, forget about self-preservation. Forget about even killing Kathy. She's just trying to make Kathy suffer in this moment. And then we have that random guy outside. Do you mind? People are trying to study. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be irritated too. For real. I'm surprised. Like, those walls are usually paper thin. I'm surprised that, like, they didn't hear more or the RA didn't come up. Giles continues the spell. And then we have the reversal that happens just as Taprick materializes through the door. And then we see that it is Kathy's dad come to get her. There you are. Do you have any idea how much trouble you're in? Kathy says, I'm not going back, Taprick. Don't take that tone of voice with me. Kathy, I'm 3,000 years old. When are you going to stop treating me like a child? Like I'm 900. Or like I'm 900, yeah. I will say like <laughs> one thing I like about these episodes is when they don't really like – this is going to sound like it's an insult, but it's not. When they don't really spend a lot of time on the supernatural aspect of things. Yeah. Because it's yeah. not about that. And so I like right. that it was just kind of like a silly like alien like type of like get your butt over here type of thing because it's like we didn't need anything else the goal of the episode is not about the supernatural aspect yeah totally and but that's where buffy thrives right when they use supernatural to show real life scenarios like kathy was just a means to show something relatable that everybody goes through in adulthood in college 
Um, so during the syndicated reruns, subtitles were inexplicably deleted between the two demons. Because of this, one of the episode's major plot points is missing. Originally, it was made clear that the second demon was Buffy's demon roommate's father and that she ran away from her home and all that stuff, but they had the subtitles missing. So could you imagine watching this and then there's these two demons talking to each other and then she's sucked in a portal home and you have no idea what's happening, um, including the fact that they cut out the dialogue with between Buffy and Kathy where Kathy tells her that she ran away from home. So that would have been very confusing. Um, a little behind the scenes, fun fact stuff. Clayton Barber, who plays Demon Number One, has been a stunt double for Angel on the show. And then Walt Borchert, who plays Demon Number Two, was a vampire in The Freshman. And then Roger Morrissey, who plays Taprick, the father, was the gingerbread demon, which is kind of cool. I absolutely love Xander and Oz bursting in and like the demon turns around and like, or Taprick turns around and like roars at them and <laughs> <laughs> Oz, he you can tell he's like frightened, but he just is so unbothered. I love how Seth Green chooses to portray him just always looking so stoic, even when there's a little demon roaring in his face. No, what really killed me more in the scene was when he pops up and then Buffy's face is like, oh, shoot. And then just like manically crawls away. <laughs> yeah, right. She could easily she's try like, to not fight my them, business. Yeah. <laughs> Not, not my, my family. Circus, not my monkeys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's like, you know what? I'll allow it. As long as you take Kathy away from here, I don't care. You'll live. <laughs> so Kathy gets sucked into the vortex screaming. Taprick dives in after her and it vanishes. And with that, Kathy is gone and all her stuff now belongs to Buffy. Sweet, sweet vengeance. Or the worst thing ever because you have to like pack up the stuff you don't want. That's true. I mean, is she really going to want Cher's uh, Believe CD? No, I don't think so. So Willow moves in and I feel like this is what should have happened from day one. But I absolutely love that they had – I think it would have been too cliche if they have been like, oh, Willow and Buffy are roommates. I love that they had separate roommates. They tried that and now they're – they're together. And I think that's going to make Buffy's slaying life a lot easier. Um, but the the little like parallels to Kathy, Willow putting up the Dingo's concert poster where the Celine poster used to be. And then I don't know if you guys noticed, but in the background, the, the song that we hear is Four Star Mary's song, Pain. Um, they're the band that is used to represent Dingo's Ate My Baby. So it's hinted that Willow's going to be playing Oz's music constantly. That in correspondence with the fact that Willow just bites into Buffy's sandwich. Who does that? <laughs> and Buffy, the little like horror zoom in trope thing that happens again. Hmm. I feel like the sandwich thing is not that bad. Like they've literally done so much together. Like I feel like it's like a kind of a friend thing. Like, oh, like take a bite here or like a sip of their drink or whatever. But they're roommates now, which is exciting. And it's actually yeah. like good because it's like, oh, they'll actually get time together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think it's really, really great. Uh, but I love the little subversion, like in classic Buffy form, how it ends the episode, kind of showing that like Buffy maybe has some things that she needs to work on, that she needs to understand how other people live and be gracious with them, that maybe it's not just Kathy, that maybe there were some things that Buffy needs to work on. I don't know. Either way, like – I, I love that they don't make Buffy completely blameless in the episode. She's flawed. That's what makes her interesting. Willow's flawed. Kathy's flawed. More flawed than others. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That's such a fun episode. It it I literally laugh out loud every time I watch it, and it's a breath of fresh air for sure. 
All right, guys, what a fun way to start out our season four episode again after break. We hope you guys enjoyed this. As always, you guys can find us on Instagram, on TikTok, on Tumblr, Becoming Buffy Podcast. Let us know what your thoughts are on the episode, and we will see you guys next week.